Eric Roberts is a fucking man He's the greatest fucking actor since acting began We should give him every medal, every trophy and award He's the greatest fucking actor that you've ever seen or ever heard Welcome to episode 10 of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man, the comprehensive examination of the life, career, and works of actor Eric Roberts. I'm Doug Tilly, and with me, as always, is Mr. Todd Rigney. How are you today, Todd? I am doing pretty good. How about yourself? Oh, Todd, I'm doing so well, except I gotta reveal something at the top of the show just very quickly. Um, I'm a fuck-up. You know this, Todd. Uh, I, I would never call you such a thing. You're kind, you're kind man, Todd. I am a bit of a fuck-up, and what happened is that we actually recorded this episode, episode 10 of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man with our special guest, in completion. We, we did the whole thing, the whole 90 minutes already, and I fucked it up when I was recording. Entirely my fault. And now our guest, kind as he is, has come back to do it once again, I can't thank him enough, and we'll introduce him in just a second, but I also can't thank you enough, Todd, for your patience regarding me. Hey, it's okay, man. Technology is a wonderfully awful thing, so uh, it, it just gives me another chance to talk to you one more time. Well, I'm glad that you appreciate that. It's a little bit of an odd response, to be totally honest with you. Uh, one thing I do want to mention just very quickly at the top of the show is that recently the uh, cast list, the potential cast list... For Pulp Fiction, Tarantino's original cast list for Pulp Fiction was released into the world. Uh, I don't know if it was ever confirmed if it was legit or not, but I saw it in, in a few reputable places. And uh, the reason I'm bringing it up, I'm not bringing it up just randomly, but one of the uh, people on the list was the namesake of this show, Mr. Eric Roberts. He was potentially playing, would, would have potentially played, I think he was number like 8 or 9 or 10 on the list, the part that Eric Stoltz played. In Pulp Fiction. How about that, Todd? I, I would have loved to have seen it. Not Nothing against Eric Stoltz, mind you, but uh, it would have been an interesting uh, uh, difference uh, you know, in, it, that, in that particular character. Eric Stoltz is used to being replaced in movies, so it probably... Yeah, yes, he is. At yeah. the zero hour, they could have just tossed Eric Roberts in there. It would have been <laughs> absolutely fine. I, I think it would be a better world if that actually would have been... Hmm, maybe, actually. Now that I think about it, no. <laughs> <laughs> Best little piece of bonus Eric Roberts news But uh, let's push all that to the side Because we do have a guest today Who has been very kind to come back once again He is actually one of my very favorite writers On the entire planet An incredible interviewer You probably know his work from Shock Cinema Or in Cinema Sewer Or online, there's lots of work there I'm sure he's going to talk about that a little bit later uh, And if you have, then you know why I'm so excited to be welcoming Michael Sullivan to Eric Roberts as the fucking man. How are you today, Michael? Well, you know, the, the magic is dead. Whatever mm. I had last week isn't here this week. So I'm just going to say I'm sorry right off the bat because it's just not going to be as good. You might as well just turn off the podcast, everyone, because it's yeah. just the magic's dead. Or, I mean, you could turn <laughs> off the podcast and just imagine, even just from Mike's brief little intro there, how good it could have been if we were all experiencing this for the first time instead of just retreading over. Uh, honestly, this is there's there's a whole different element to the episode now that's going to make it different and not in any way better. I would say. 
I'm just kidding, ladies and gentlemen. This is going to be the best podcast your ass has ever heard. Wow. Well, I mean, you know, uh, it, I, I can't speak for every ass out there, but I hope I hope what you say <laughs> is true, Mike. And really, honestly, I said it before on the previous recording. I'm going to say it again. It really is a thrill to be able to be talking to you. I honestly think that you are one of the great genre writers out there, not oh. just genre writers. And I'm not just blowing smoke either. I really am a huge, huge fan of your work. Well, I, that's really nice. I, that's very nice of you to say it. I, I, I've enjoyed your work, so thank you. Thank you. It's well, very sweet of you. I enjoyed your work more, Mike, and you're just going to have to accept that. I will. I'll just take it. <laughs> that's right. You take it. Uh, Eric Roberts, what does he mean to you, Mike? You know, it's, you know, it's funny because before – because I saw, you know, he posted this podcast on Facebook, and mm-hmm. I, I never – he's someone I never really acknowledge. He, he – whether as like someone I thought was good or someone I thought was bad, he just he just merely he was like kind of like a Ron Livingston, where he just existed and you know I had no real opinion about it. What but, an amazing uh, comparison! <laughs> I mean, you're right. That's a that's a, a really good person. I, I I think Ron Livingston maybe could only play certain roles that. Uh, but I guess that's the same for Eric Roberts. Just the, it's just the recently where I've been exposed to him playing both psychotic and you know genial drugged up yeah guy but uh but yeah yeah I, th- I think maybe one of his advantages as an actor and certainly in recent years where he's gone kind of overboard in the number of roles he plays is that he can sort of just fade into the background if anything that might be and i'm just going to throw this out there one of the difficulties with some of his recent work where you know all of these incredibly low budget movies which have on the cover starring eric roberts and he's in it for like five minutes right so he's expected to be this kind of blow-away name that's rising up this work, but really that's not what his his power as an actor is. His power is being a strong supporting player. But I think like the difference between him and Livingston is that because um, I and again this is something he he was just almost like you know almost like wallpaper, which is just unfair. But he's, <laughs> he's a he's a far more accomplished and versatile actor, whereas Ron Livingston could just play. You know, like second the second romantic lead in like a you know like a romantic comedy, but Roberts could play anything. You know, I mean, I like you were saying before with the the fiction the Pulp Fiction thing. I wish he played that over Eric Stoltz to tell you the truth. I think that would have been actually a bit more interesting. Hmm. Well, I mean, that's the world Michael Sullivan wants to live in. Todd, do you have any thoughts about Eric Roberts' versatility as an actor? Oh, I think he's pretty versatile, uh, especially since you can go from something like the Pope of Greenwich Village to playing a talking fucking cat. Uh, <laughs> I mean, but, honestly, uh, when when you talk about the great actors, the great method actors, uh, you know, your your um, your Marlon Brando's, your um, uh, your James Dean's. I mean, really, the thing that they are expected to be able to play is nervous drug dealer type. Uh, nervous energy type people, and to be able to voice a talking animal, right? Well, yeah, I think I think that's uh, that's the only thing missing from Brando's uh, uh, filmography is is a good talking animal role. Honestly, is what killed Montgomery Clift is not being able to voice a talking animal. I think. <laughs> right, maybe not. Uh, maybe not. Maybe that's just how I feel about it. Uh, we're not going to belabor the introduction today because everyone's already heard all this upcoming news before, but we're just going to jump into the Roberts Report because there's so much fascinating news to talk about.
Oh, the Roberts Report, everyone's favorite part of the program. Uh, I do have to mention right off the top that as of the taping of this show, and really as of the taping of our previous show, it is yet to be confirmed or denied that Eric Roberts will be joining the cast of Game of Thrones as reported on the most recent episode, episode 9 of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man. But, I'm, you know, remember where you heard it when it does happen. It's still not too late. They haven't started recording yet. You might recall that I mentioned that Max von Sydow and uh, he tweeted out a thank you or a confirmation of his appearing on the show and tagged Eric Roberts in it. To me, a clear sign that Max von Sydow and Eric Roberts are going to be working together on Game of Thrones. Todd, have you heard anything to the contrary? I have not heard no. anything to no, the contrary. No, you haven't. No. So, I mean, the fact that you haven't heard anything to the contrary is tantamount to confirmation, I think. But when it gets confirmed, we'll, we, will, of course, will tell you. But that's... That's got a you know that's horseshit. Who cares about that? Because the big Eric Roberts news, really of the month, maybe of the year, is uh, you remember Todd that uh, Eric Roberts was in that Rihanna video, "Bitch Better Have My Money." I wa- uh, yes, I do remember that. We talked about it on this show. We did. Well, that's exciting. But you might also recall that on a recent show we teased the idea that he would be Eric Roberts would be in an upcoming music video by Chris Cornell. You know the guy from Soundgarden. And this, yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, guy. and he has a new video called Nearly Forgot My Broken Heart, or the song is called that, and it features Eric Roberts as a guitar-playing criminal who is uh, going to be hanged. And it's honestly, it's pretty confusing, but I did force both Michael and uh, Todd to, to watch this music video, even though at this point that was weeks ago. Mike, what were your thoughts on Nearly Forgot My Broken Heart? Well, my, my main thought was why was he in there? Like, yeah, what, I, you know, he he just was. I mean, he was basically. I mean, he he was had an an extras role, you know, <laughs> and um, it seemed like they were building up to something with it, and it really went nowhere. He just. I don't know if I, you want me to give away the surprise twist ending. Of, I, of the, I, spoiler alert to anyone listening: um, jump ahead the next thirty seconds while Mike explains the big twist. The twist is that Eric Roberts dies in the end. What? Oh, yes, that's right. Yeah. Oh, oh, that actually maybe thirty seconds was a bit of an exaggeration. Then <laughs> uh, there also is kind of more of a central plot revolving around Chris Cornell's character. The film itself, sorry, not the film, the uh, music <laughs> video is shot in a very spaghetti westernish style, or at least it begins like that. And despite Eric Roberts, as Mike mentioned, having a uh, extra role in it, it does say starring Eric Roberts. So it's using his star power here. Uh, Todd, what was the plot of this uh, regarding Chris Cornell's character? The, the the video is essentially him and Eric Roberts awaiting their death to be hanged. You listen to Chris Cornell sing, uh, and eventually he gets rescued by what some might describe as an unattractive lady. Right, and that's a big that's funny, right? Because like she isn't uh, traditionally attractive, so the fact that he would have to marry her and he's Chris Cornell, a very handsome man, that's really funny. Yeah, I I guess that's supposed to be funny. It's a big twist at the end. That's what uh, there's the twist. There's two twists, right? There's that, and Eric Roberts ends up getting hung by the neck until he's dead. Yes, maybe Death I sh- of Eric Roberts sh- should have mentioned a spoiler alert there too. I yeah, guess. <laughs> it's, the unattractive woman is, I guess, a a huge spoiler, right? Not a fan of Chris Cornell's James Bond theme for Casino Royale. No, I I, I am not. It, when when Chris Cornell started going the R and B route, I was like, man, uh, the the Soundgarden teenage fan that that I once was, was very, very sad. 
there is one notable thing in this video, which is that there are parts which feature Chris Cornell playing a guitar in a jail cell, and next to him in that same jail cell is Eric Roberts also playing a guitar. That's right. Yeah, it's pretty exciting, right? Eric Roberts showing off some theoretical musical skills. <laughs> Just strumming away. Yeah. I mean, I, honestly, my wife was watching the music video with me, and she said, can Eric Roberts even play a guitar? And I don't know. Uh, some might recall that our, our, our episode uh, of Celebrity Wife Swap featuring Eric Roberts, it did show him jamming with uh, his uh, uh, son. That's um, right. And, but that jamming, I think, I don't recall if it involved him actually playing an instrument or not. <laughs> I don't think it did. I, you know, uh, yeah, I don't think it did. All right. Well, everyone, of course, should check out Nearly Forgot My Broken Heart for the Eric Roberts Factor. Moving on. This is, this is so exciting that uh, multiple people sent me an email notifying me about the wonderful children's film, the inspirational children's film, Golden Shoes. Featuring John Rise Davies, David Deloise, Vivica A. Fox, Montel Williams, which uh, has caught a lot of people's attention, and Eric Roberts. Now, I recall the last time we recorded this, Michael, you mentioned something I didn't know about John Rise Davies. What was that again? He, uh, he, uh, he thinks like the Muslims are uh, waging war against Christians. So, John Rise Davies is a horrible racist. <laughs> <laughs> There's another piece of information coming out on Eric Roberts is the fucking man, uh, which is honestly that's that is a unfortunate thing to hear because he is in a lot of movies I do really like. And remember, he was on that show Sliders. Remember that show, Todd? Yeah, yeah, I, I watched that pretty faithfully. <laughs> really? Did you? I did? I did. I I didn't do a lot of stuff as a teenager. It, it was mostly sitting around watching Bad Fox and uh, like Silk, Silk Stockings on USA, and you know. You had an interesting... Uh, forever night. <laughs> forever night. Lens here in Canada, forever night. Nice. <laughs> well, it. Uh, I wanted to bring up Golden Shoes, not just for my own general interest. And, of course, you can probably tell from the title that it's a inspirational soccer movie uh, for kids with, of course, Montel Williams in oh, a starring role. I really thought that was going to be about ballet dancing for some reason. Yeah, because, like, the red shoes. Yeah. And then it's yeah. Golden Shoes. It's like one-upping. Powell and Pressburger, it's like, fuck you. This one has Montel Williams, Eric Roberts, and Golden Shoes. That's true. That. Yeah. But it, it's Got not. It. Unfortunately, it's a soccer movie. Uh, and it's what's really exciting about this, and the reason I'm bringing it up, is that it has its red carpet premiere, believe it or not, and Todd, this is going to shock you, it could very well be happening at this very minute. That because is, it, it, it's happening today on September 24th, which is when is we're recording this. Mind. I know. I know your mind is being blown right now. Um, apparently, it, this Dove family-approved movie for ages 12 and up <laughs> <laughs> arrives on digital HD from Stars Digital on September 25th, tomorrow. Wow. And, and on DVD and on demand October 6th from Anchor Bay Entertainment. So everyone keep your eyes open for what has to be a great movie, Golden Shoes. It, actually, honestly, with that cast, even though now I'm so down on John Rhys Davies and his unfortunate feelings towards Muslims, I still want to see this movie, just for the Montel Williams factor. Well, is he playing himself or is he playing a character? That's what I'm wondering. Is now he you're talking about Montel Williams? Yeah, Montel Williams. Is he playing like a, himself? Or is it kind of like how Murr Griffin would always play himself? Sure. Movie? I feel like we're, a, we're separated enough. Like, does Montel Williams still have a TV show? He has an infomercial, I think, but that's yeah. about it. 
Yeah, I think it were uh, far enough away from him having a TV show that it would be weird for him play to be playing himself. But I guess he could just be playing like a generic talk show host on it. Or maybe he's an actor. Maybe I don't even know. What do you think about Montel Williams' acting skills there, Todd? <laughs> uh, that is something that I've never considered until this very moment. Doesn't he have, and I, I hate to say this because it might make me seem particularly uncaring and also unaware of the, the career of Montel Williams, Did, doesn't he have a disease of some sort? Yes, yes. Which disease does he have? He may have, and again, I'm not 100% of this. I mm-hmm. think he may have MS, but I'm probably wrong. Hmm. Maybe maybe that's part of the storyline in some way. Maybe it's maybe that's why he's part of it. Who knows? I guess the only way for us to know for sure is to check out. Do you think Sorry? it's insensitive where he's like, I had MS, but these golden shoes saved me? They, <laughs> they, they go to that length? I don't think that's insensitive. Oh, okay. <laughs> this is part of, they use like CG to make him dance around uh, and then, then he has to get back into like a wheelchair actually now that I'm saying that it does sound really insensitive a little bit yeah alright so I'm going to cut that part out uh, <laughs> moving on from the golden shoes the the magical golden shoes maybe it might not even be about magical shoes at all we, we might be jumping ahead a little there but uh, there is some massive news regarding uh, Eric Roberts is the fucking man's favorite Potential movie Hashtag Speedball Which everybody knows Is uh, meant to be The Fast and the Furious Meets The sport of paintball And uh, thanks to what I can only assume Was a massive upsurge In traffic Because of us Mentioning it on the show The previously alive And then after that Previously dead project Which despite going through A crowdfunding <laughs> <laughs> campaign ended up uh, having all that funding pulled and not uh, weren't going to be able to make the movie. They have now been brought back from the dead. In fact, there's a quote on the film's Facebook page which states, "If there's one thing paintball players are good at, it's never giving up." Mike, have you ever played paintball before? No, no, I, 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 I really only have a vague. Is it like gotcha? I, you know what? I'm glad that oh. you mentioned Gotcha because not only is that an, an obscure reference. <laughs> <laughs> that when when I first heard about the sport of paintball, that's the only thing I could think I could think of is both Gotcha and its incredible theme song, which I believe went Gotcha, catch me if you can, something like that. It's Gotcha though, right? It's just like a harsher, like a more dangerous variation of Gotcha, or yeah. It, Todd, have you ever paintballed? I, I have not. No. Is that a verb, paintballed? Paintball? Well, let's assume that it is. No, mm-hmm. I have n- I've never paintballed. Okay, well, we're three guys who have never paintballed before. So maybe this this movie, which uh, combines the Fast and the Furious <laughs> with paintball, isn't necessarily meant to appeal directly to us. But uh, my understanding is that it does involve uh, shooting people with little paint pellets, and that's fun for some people who really like love the idea of shooting other people. Well, uh, how would well, how would this? First of all, I don't even know how this would work. Is it? Like how, if it's like fast enough, is there like like underground illegal paintballing? That's... And if it's like <laughs> fast and the furious, are they riding on the paintball guns or something? Like how does how do you really make those two things come together? I think it might be the attitude of the Fast and the Furious, uh... which uh, I don't know what that attitude would entail necessarily. I think it involves a lot of ridiculous things and explosions and whatnot. I'm not knocking that series. I just I just don't know. Uh, maybe they're riding around on ATVs. You could probably do that with a paintball gun, right, Todd? Uh, I think so. 
All right, maybe that's how it goes. Anyway, keep your eyes out for hashtag speedball, which has been mentioned on this show more than probably in any other capacity <laughs> ever, and probably it might ever will be. Oh, by the way, we're not just bringing it up randomly. Eric Roberts is still advertised as being in that movie. Will he end up being in it? Only time will tell. It depends on how much of that funding they were able to get back, I suppose. Uh, finally, on this week's Roberts Report, and I'm glad that we uh, were ending with this, um, Recently added to the Eric Roberts IMDb page, which is getting a little bit long, is the 2016 project Victory by Submission featuring, get this, Lee Majors, Fred the Hammer Williamson, and Eric Roberts. And uh, it's uh, some, I'm just going to tell you the fucking plot as it's written on the IMDb. Tommy Hendricks has been fighting it out as an MMA fighter in the ring but comes to realize that it is his past that he has been fighting in the cage and taking him away from his real fight, finding God in his life. Faith-based mixed martial arts drama, most likely, maybe action drama, featuring Fred the Hammer Williamson and Eric Roberts. Uh, Mike, do you think that this sounds like something that you would be interested in? I would like to make a prediction uh, before Mm -hmm. we go any further. I believe Eric Roberts is going to play a sleazy agent in it. And the sleazy agent's name will be Lou Cipher. <laughs> I, you know, it's funny. We mentioned on a recent episode uh, that Eric Roberts would be in a film, a Western, playing Satan himself. Uh, and and uh, I think that maybe uh, that would be typecasting, that he would be also cast as Lucifer here in, uh, in what's this movie called? Victory by Submission. I also want to mention that Victory by Submission is going to be directed by Alan Autry who I recall, and apparently I'm the only of the, one of the three of us who recall him, from the 90s sitcom Grace Under Fire, where he played uh, a, a guy who was always in a police uniform. I don't remember anything else about his character. Todd, big fan of Grace Under Fire? Yeah, I remember that it, didn't it come on after Roseanne or something I think like it might that. have. I think yeah. it was paired because it was another kind of working woman, uh, you know, kind of uh, slice of life. Uh, supposed to be very realistic, and it had uh, a cover of the Beatles' "Lady Madonna" as its theme song. Yeah, that you 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 know much more about it than I do. Blair Butler, that was the star of. I think that was her name. Oh, yeah. And my understanding is that she fell on hard times after uh, after Grace Under Fire. Mike, are you aware of these hard times that she fell on? I, I'm pretty sure she fell on hard times during Grace. I think you might yeah. be right, actually. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe she could have uh, <laughs> discovered in herself. That what she was really fighting uh, was to uh, find God in her life. Maybe she did, actually. Maybe she's in this movie. I don't know. She could be. <laughs> she I, could be. I mean, that sounds like that could be a fact, you know? That, now that I've said it out loud, I'm going to say it is a fact. So please watch out for Blair Butler in Victory by Submission in 2016, along with, of course, Lee Majors, Fred the Hammer Williamson, and Eric Roberts. Uh, another faith-based movie. From Eric Roberts, which, um, as we confirmed, or at least previously confirmed, on one of our other episodes, uh, he does not self-identify as a Christian, at least I don't believe so, but he does seem to appear in in a lot of faith-based movies. Todd, does that surprise you at all? Uh, No, not really. Considering the the kind of movies that he does on occasion, it it seems like if the the, the, the check clears, he might consider it. Very cynical view for a guy who co-hosts a podcast about <laughs> Eric Roberts. <laughs> hey, I'm just calling it like I see it. A uh, big fan of faith-based uh, cinema in general there, Mike? Well, you know, I, I really like uh, Rapture movies. I think they're right. really good. And um, 
there was a movie like a few years back, well, more than a few years back, that uh, the, the wrestler Sting did, and it was, I can't remember the name, it was like a biopic about how he found uh, God and Christ and the angels. <laughs> um, but I, I don't remember much about it, but I remember there was a prostitute in the movie, and then during the credits, it, she was credited as uh, Lady of the Evening. <laughs> and of course, longtime listeners of the podcast will remember that the pro wrestler Sting actually appeared in Revelation Road, also featuring Eric Roberts. The connections they pile up and up. <laughs> I guess uh, uh, Sting could have used a little holy intervention on that most recent pay per view where he got himself all fucked up. Nobody knows what I'm talking about right now. Uh, that's all the about, news. Uh, Sting from uh, the singer? No, no, I was talking about the pro wrestler who actually, uh, he. Even though he's 56 years old, he just main-evented a pay-per-view this past Sunday the, uh, for the WWE Championship and ended up getting powerbombed into a turnbuckle, and it, it fucked up his neck, and he had to... He just barely made it through the match. He got really messed oh, up, wow. actually. okay. Did not know about that, no. Lots of information floating around. New information, because that happened since our last attempt at recording. <laughs> <laughs> so, a little bonus uh, piece of info there uh, to round out this week's Robert's Report. We are actually going to take our first break, and pretty soon we are going to be nostalgic for the <laughs> lovely, uh, peaceful days of talking about the Robert's Report because we have two interesting movies to discuss on this episode of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man. We're going to begin with 2004's Miss Castaway, directed by Brian Michael Stoller, before moving on to Wrong Cops from 2011 by Quentin Depew. Let's take our first break, and when we get back, we're going to jump right into Miss Castaway. I see a deep flash, Jamaican honey, so sweet. Down my legs and tongue, cross borders, ever free. Oh, she's a big girl. She's down. Who saw Jurassic Park? From the producers who loved the spy who shagged me. Hello, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Oh well, who's for skinny dipping? And from the writers who thought Mission Impossible was really cool. Comes a movie that proves. Nothing is sacred. Bless you! Bless you, my son. We'll lock off. Check. When a Jenner liner packed with worldly babes. Miss Castaway. Ah, from 2004, directed by Brian Michael Stoller. Um, some longtime listeners of the show might remember that Brian Michael Stoller also directed the Eric Roberts featuring First Dog, which has uh, Eric Roberts as the President of the United States. In Miss Castaway, Eric Roberts plays a airline pilot in what can only be described as one of the worst goddamn movies. <laughs> 
uh, you could ever uh, subject yourself to. You know, it's very interesting. Uh, I mean, you will get a sense from that trailer just how bad <laughs> this movie is. But what was really interesting is, is honestly, the music rights in that trailer to use, like, Beaded and uh, I think they had Sex Lies by Beck in there and Fatboy Slim. Definitely uh, a higher cost than the entire budget of Miss Castaway, which I think was purported to be $2 million, which is shocking and very difficult to believe. Mike, since it was one of your choices... I'm sorry. What, you... <laughs> what did you think of Miss Castaway? Well, okay, I, here's the thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start us off by saying something, some nice things about mm-hmm. the movie. Um, First of all, I'm pretty sure that Tom Cruise lookalike in the movie was on Tim and Eric at one point. As Tom Cruise, I think. What's that? As Tom Cruise, like as a Tom Cruise lookalike on that show. Right, yeah. yeah. I'm pretty sure that guy was on Tim and Eric, so that's that's kind of cool. You know, like a Tim and Eric guy's on there. That's kind of cool. Also a connection to our, our second movie today. Yes. <laughs> um, and uh, a couple uh, the Austin Powers lookalike in there, uh, again, he... He is very good. I mean, for an Austin Powers guy, you know this guy did corporate gigs. You know he was mm-hmm. doing like like all kind of like office gathering type things throughout the you know the, the late '90s and early 2000s because he is he is solid. He's probably one of the best Austin Powers impersonators I've ever seen in my life. So kudos mm-hmm. to him. Mm-hmm. Thirdly, this movie is look it's excruciating. It's it is this it is easily probably one of the worst comedies I've ever seen in my life. But here's the thing: it is weird. It is really <laughs> weird. There's a scene towards the end, and and, and this is going to be like a spoiler for some people. So you know, if you can't take the heat of the spoiler, get out of the spoiler kitchen right now. Mm. Um, there's a scene in that where, where there's like a dodo. For some reason, there's a dodo, and <laughs> at the very end, it there's like a close encounters type of reference and like all these other dodos come and then this dodo gets on a spaceship and it goes away and that's i don't know i have no idea if that's supposed to be funny if it's supposed to be cute but it just it just exists and there, I, there's elements in here that are just very weird and i i really i really appreciated that it is it's weird in a really unique kind of way i mean this movie was obviously made to be in the same sort of style, well, I mean, ideally in the same sort of style as, as like an airplane or a Kentucky Fried movie, but, uh, but really at the time, certainly in the style of like date movie or superhero movie or one of those yeah. type of uh, you know, lower tier uh, spoofs. And for some reason, because like, like a lot of the references in this movie, they, there's a, a whole bunch of like current for 2004 references, and then they're taking it from like late 90s, and then it's going back further and further, and it trying to turn all of that into a plot leads to some really, really bizarre moments. I wouldn't say that they're funny, necessarily, but uh, it, it, certainly, it certainly wasn't what I was expecting, but I don't consider that a good thing. <laughs> I also, one other thing, I, I like the fact that it feels like it could turn into a porno movie like at any second <laughs> absolutely it, it could just like because yeah. it, it's easily going there sometimes and you're like oh there's a bunch of ladies on this island and i'm alone with them and it just could make that turn so quickly but it doesn't it's always like pulling back todd what did you think of miss castaway aka miss castaway and the island girls aka silly movie 2 aka silly movie 2.0 uh I want to be honest, uh, my brain has purged most of this movie since our last Thank recording. Goodness. 
It, I mean, it, I, there are just like bits and pieces that I do remember. Uh, I remember it being acutely bizarre, and that was probably the reason that I uh, I didn't run screaming from the room watching it because I really hate those date movie, epic movie kind of uh, parody films. I, I'm just not a fan of it. I like I like Airplane and Naked Gun, but I think it takes like a little bit more skill than what these people have to execute that kind of comedy. But uh, I, I think it 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 appealed to me and it entertained me, I guess, in a way, just because of the sheer oddball factor. I think actually, and I, I'm only saying this because we've recorded this whole section before, that uh, the purging of this movie from your brain, Todd, has really softened your stance towards it. We're not as close. Now, I think that's the problem. We're not as close. We, it just—it's not as uh, excruciating. We can look back in fondness. We're looking. We're literally looking back now and laughing at this. Our shared right. horrible experience. Yeah, I think. I, I think that <laughs> that's probably what it is, and and my comments actually will will appear once again when we we discuss our our second feature in this in this podcast. <laughs> well, uh, one thing I I realized upon researching this movie is that Brian Michael Stoller the director is actually from Peterborough, Ontario, Canada, which is where I am right now. For some reason not uh, not usually mentioned uh, in terms of the uh celebrities that were able to escape from Peterborough, but since he's uh you know a, a city mate of mine, I I feel an obligation to not tear into him too um too unpleasantly. Uh one thing we did mention on the first dog show is that I actually grew up with Brian Michael Stoller, by which I mean he used to do these short films on First Choice, which was a TV, like a cable TV station, an HBO equivalent here in Canada, between movies, they would show these little short films, and often they would be directed by Brian Michael Stoller. And in fact, that brings us to our next topic of conversation, which is that the uh, this movie uh, stars, as the trailer mentioned, Charlie Slaughter from 18 Again and from the Ferris Bueller's Day Off TV show, Eric Roberts, who I hope you all know and love, and Michael Jackson. That's right, Michael Jackson's final fictional role is acting in Miss Castaway. <laughs> <laughs> and it is surreal, to say the least. Uh, now, I know because of, of just kind of uh, the this information that somehow exists in my brain that Brian Michael Stoller did a Michael Jackson parody short film back in the 80s, which I believe Michael Jackson was a fan of, which is how they developed a relationship. And obviously it continued into the early 2000s and right before Michael Jackson's death. Mike, what did you think of Michael Jackson's performance in Miss Castaway? I have, well, first of all, the footage looks like it's taken from like his deposition, like deposition <laughs> video. And, and second of all, you know, look, this is going to maybe sound nasty to some people, but he looks like a Madame Tussauds sculpture that someone, like, clutch cargo lips in. <laughs> <laughs> it, just, it just looks bad. It's, like, depressing all around. It's just, like, it's a... That had that had been worse than, like, the pedophile accusations being in that movie. It, it just... <laughs> it was, it's just depressing for everybody to see it. It's just... It's not good. It's not fun. And he's kind of playing himself. He's playing Agent MJ, but everyone recognizes him as Michael Jackson. It was all this footage was apparently shot at Neverland Ranch, and he's stilted and looks like he's reading off cue cards and doesn't seem like he understands what the fuck he's even saying, and who knows how out of it he may or may not have been during that point anyway. But uh, 
it's strange how strongly they sell this movie on him appearing in it. I guess you gotta use what you have, but in terms of your final performance, boy, it's a it would be a shame for it to be in Miss Castaway. What did you think of Michael Jackson? Let's talk about Michael Jackson in general, Todd. What do you think of Michael Jackson? I, I like Michael Jackson. You know, I I I like his uh, music. I liked his music videos. I Captain liked, EO. I liked Captain EO. I actually mm-hmm. saw it at Disney World in 3D, and uh, it 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 totally warped me because uh, of the you know the, the 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 freaky monsters coming at my face and asteroids flying at my eyes. It was just too much for my uh, young mind to handle at the time. But I've always had fond memories of Michael Jackson, and and seeing him in this, it it, it is really sad. Because I, I don't think it's uh, it's uh, indicative of what the man could accomplish. Joe Millionaire. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, back in, back in the uh, early two thousands, there was a reality show called Joe Millionaire, and uh, it was I can't remember anything about it. I think it had it was sort of like The Bachelor, except instead of winning a date with. Or um, I don't know what the fuck you win on The Bachelor I guess it's a date It can't be a date Do they get to marry him or something? Anyway Yeah, they, 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 yeah it's wedded bliss Theoretically <laughs> that, <laughs> I mean, it's weird that It's A, weird that I didn't already know That that's how it ended But B, it's even weirder to think That that is something that exists <laughs> That that's <laughs> You gotta marry the fucking guy at the end of it Anyway, I can't remember if Joe Millionaire got married to anybody But he was a guy who was on a reality show, and he's also has one of the lead performances, I mean, you can really say that, in Miss Castaway. And the it really is kind of ref- reflective of that sort of spoof attitude, that kind of anything goes, throw, throw uh, everything at the wall and see what sticks. Because guess what? Nobody knows who the fuck this guy is. I only remember because I'm... I have a brain like that, but I would say 99% of the people watching this movie, especially in 2015, uh, and it's been re-released several times, as you can tell from those titles, would have no fucking clue who this guy is. Todd, did you recognize him while watching the movie? I I, I did recognize him because I I watched Joe Millionaire. It's not not something I'm very proud of, but I did. Did he get to marry someone at the end, Todd? Well, the whole thing was he was... Uh, pretending to be a millionaire and all of these women were kind of vying for his uh, affection and then at the end he chooses one and then he lets them know that hey he's just some schlub and he doesn't have like 10 bucks in his bank account oh so he wasn't really a millionaire no no not at all it was all like it was, it was all, all a joke the... on the on the women who were trying to uh win his heart but he was handsome i i guess hmm in, in that Joe Millionaire kind of way. Well, he uh, he 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 had that going for him because I'll tell you what he didn't <laughs> have going for him: acting talent or comic timing. I would say, Mike, I, Dick Maloney. Oh, because I actually had some things I wanted to say about Evan Marriott. Okay, let's. Evan Marriott is, of course, the name, of course, of Joe Millionaire. Let's hear your thoughts on Joe Millionaire. I well, it just whenever you see like a reality star in a movie. It's it's just sad because it's not like when you see someone who had it like a career in acting like I don't know like like a Jamie Farr if you see like a Jamie Farr in like a bad, like a low budget movie you can at least say oh well you know he did something at some point Hey Mike remember when you uh, reviewed Murder Can Kill You for Shock Cinema I, I do, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I went and I tracked down that movie, and then I watched it because your review was so good of it. And Jamie Farr is in that movie, and I'll tell you, though I don't regret watching it, your review is a lot funnier than that movie was. 
I, you know, I, I tried, I tracked down, tried tracking down that movie for years. That was a hard. I, now you can see it on YouTube for nothing. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but like when when you see like a, like someone who had a career and who did something, it's it's sad. But you know, it's not as sad when you see like a reality star in a movie or making like a depressing cameo on right. like I don't know Two and a Half Men. Because like seeing them in something is like seeing someone that won an embarrassing contest. You know. <laughs> It's like, like, look, you're in this movie because you won the diarrhea contest. You look at this, and then they're you're basically they're just people are just standing and pointing and laughing at him. And then like a year from now, it's forgotten, kind of like Sanjaya. You know, it's just it's it's this terrible thing, and just seeing them, and it's like see, it's like opening like a time capsule filled with like a dead raccoons. It's, <laughs> I just I don't I, I it's depressing seeing reality stars in anything that isn't a reality show. It also becomes, the further you get away from that brief moment of fame, it becomes a little bit more surreal too, right? Because oh, yeah. the expectation watching this is that people who see this know who this guy is. But for the most part, and the further you get away from it, that won't be the case anymore. And, I mean, it's not like Michael Jackson. Everyone, I think, for, you know, unless you're particularly detached from reality, you're probably going to know who Michael Jackson is. But this guy... The further you get away, the more confusing his appearance in the movie will be become, and it becomes almost like this weird time capsule. And in fact, there's a, a few elements in this movie which feel so much of their time that it's almost fascinating watching it just to see what sort of crazy half-baked reference that they're going to make next. Now, they do make reference, it's direct references to a lot of different movies. As you mentioned at the top, Mike, they have an Austin Powers oh, yeah. impersonator yeah. who he does that... Um, can you hear me now catchphrase, which was used in commercials in the early 2000s. That's another one that was very much of its time and nobody remembers anymore. Well, I guess I do. Um, and and uh, there is, of course, references to Castaway, but not as many as you might think, considering that the movie is called Miss Castaway. Wilson makes a very brief appearance near the end. There are references to Lord of the Rings, uh, a very confusing reference oh, yeah. to Lord of the Rings at the very end of the movie. I'm not going to try to explain the plot to anybody, but it does involve the the founding of an ark, which is being <laughs> taken over by apes from Tim Burton's Planet of the Apes. And uh, there's also a giant dinosaur trampsing around the island, but it's, it's a pig, mm-hmm. so uh, people keep calling it Jurassic Pork. Todd, what did you think about Jurassic Pork? Uh, besides the cheap... Uh visual gag yeah you know it was poorly rendered uh but i i won't lie it, it made me chuckle because Ooh. that's got the, the kind of guy i am wow. cheap jokes lame shit makes me laugh yeah well t- i gotta be honest with you todd i like this attitude this attitude towards miss castaway i'm i'm i didn't expect you to soften as much as you softened let uh, believe me listeners he was frothing at the mouth to tear into this movie the last called, time called like a like in the last episode, yeah, he called like a fatwa. He goes, "I want a fatwa on Brian Michael Stoller." Yeah, Holy I think war. you guys are confusing that with uh, wrong cops. Hey, now let's not give one. away your feelings on wrong cops. I, I think <laughs> that I was much more uh, uh, angry about wrong cops. Well, we'll find out how much you've softened on that in just a moment, Mike Dick Maloney, the the crooner from Ottawa, Ontario, who I had never heard of. Yeah. I, uh, I, I, I thought it was funny because I thought he was this Canadian. I thought he was like Canada's Dick Clark. 
but apparently he was just like a local localized celebrity. Maybe he wasn't. I mean, I can't say that for sure. Maybe it's just that that style of music, that sort of Frank Sinatra-esque crooning type music isn't really my preference. So he actually appears in this movie briefly in a cameo uh, and several of his songs actually appear as well. And uh, they're not... They're not entirely awful, but right. so, there's there's one uh, that I'll play a clip of uh, at the end of this segment that was particularly obnoxious, I would say. Doug, but you know, Doug, I'd also yeah. like to point out that the title is written in Jokerman font, <laughs> and I think that says a lot. I think that says a lot. I just wanted it out there. <laughs> but uh, Dick Maloney has to be given uh, some credit for the soundtrack of this movie Very strange soundtrack overall It also has some kind of weird Beatles pastiches That are, you know, basically people doing Beatles imitations Including one that is basically a ripoff of Help uh, I, I mean, not that Hey, you think with Michael Jackson there That they could have gotten some cheap uh, Beatles songs to use <laughs> uh, But, uh, but uh, not so much Michael, what did you think of the soundtrack Including Mr. Dick Maloney? You know what? Here's the thing. I I, I, I actually really like the fake Beatles songs. I, I like mm-hmm. anytime someone like fake Beach Boys songs. I really like too. Um, that stuff I had no problem with. Some of the more generic. Uh, hey, this is this is island sort of vague reggaeton type music. That was a bit more of a chore, a chore mm-hmm. to sit through and listen to. How about yourself, Todd? Good music. Uh, you know, it wasn't bad. It uh, It's not something I would sit down and listen to to relax at the end of the day, but uh, it seemed to fit the kookiness of the movie. So, I mean, it, it is what it is. Wow, you really have softened against this movie. My God. I, you, I swear that you hated the fucking music before. Uh, you know, I, I didn't hate Dick Maloney. I, you the, didn't the, hate... The, the I mean, cheap you know reggae what? stuff... I'm just going to... And the, uh, the cheap reggae stuff. Just I'm just going to stop you there just for a second, Todd. Just listen to this. Island girls, very easy on the eyes. Every little movement brings a sweet surprise. Hopefully, you can talk over it, Todd. What are you thinking right now? But within the context of the movie, yeah, I mean, you're just playing a a sound clip. So that's Dick Maloney. Shit, but I mean, combined with the visual shit, it's kind of like a nice shit pie, and I didn't mind it too much. Yeah, it's very, very kind. That you're being to this movie I, I, uh, time. Yeah, I mean, what can I say uh, Like I said, maybe it's because Most of it's gone, it's just not there And, <laughs> and I, get, I get You know, just glimpses of it In my head of like, you know The main guy hanging out in the cave with all of his cool stuff And you know, the, the Lord of the Rings Ending, so, but yeah Maybe it's uh, the fact that I just Don't remember most of it well, one thing that I'm sure you do still remember is that one of the lead performances is done by Mr. Eric Roberts, who plays sort of an asshole pilot who um, doesn't he actually doesn't get a lot to do in the movie because he's certainly not the lead. Charlie Slaughter is. But what did you think of Eric Roberts playing this sort of spoof role where he has to deliver a lot of kind of one liners and comedic moments? Let's start with uh, let's actually start with you, Mike. I you know. Here's the thing with I think about Roberts in this role. He he's phoning it in. He's mm-hmm. phoning it in. I mean, because he has he has comedic chops. He he knows comedy. He understands comic timing. But I think with this one, he 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 saw the material. You know, he understood what he was working with, and he he put in low gear. You know, and I think for his own sanity, basically, because you know he didn't want to. 
this is kind of the, one of those movies where you, you don't want to go full force and you don't want to try too hard because, you know, you don't want to be known as the guy who was really selling it and miscast away in the Island Girls. So, I mean, I can't <laughs> really blame him for phoning it in on this one. Todd, did you think that Eric was phoning it in in Miss Castaway? Uh, yeah, he's phoning it in, but uh, I don't necessarily think that it's it's any far removed from, uh, you know, 70% of the direct-to-video stuff that the guy does. Because um, I think a lot of times he's, he kind of shows up on set, does what he's supposed to do, and then goes home, closes the door behind him on his way out. But... Uh, you know, it, it it didn't offend me. I, I I wasn't. It didn't stand out to me that he was uh, just on autopilot. Not to make that horrible pun. <laughs> you just did, so I guess we're just gonna have to live with it. Uh, I'm just looking at the filming locations of Miss Castaway. Uh, of course, uh, several places in California. Oh, and of course, Neverland Ranch, but also Hawaii. Do you think that maybe some of these uh, cast members in Miss Castaway uh, took part because of a free Hawaiian vacation, Todd? Uh, that very well could be the case. Yeah, maybe that's why Joe Millionaire was in it, or maybe that he <laughs> f- thought that this would launch his comedy career. I'm shocked. Um, there was, I'm shocked there was locations for this because I thought the only location was uh, inside a, a closet near a green screen. <laughs> <laughs> well, you did mention, uh, Mike, at the beginning of our, our little commentary here on Cast Miss Castaway uh, that the uh, impersonation of Austin Powers is quite good, and it is. And it especially is compared to a lot of the other um, celebrity impressions that take place in this movie. There's actually a whole series of like a Charlie Chaplin and a Marilyn Monroe and a Groucho Marx. And all they are is shot against the green screen and randomly inserted into scenes in like the background or on the sides of the screen. Because one of the characters is supposed to be able to see dead people like The Sixth Sense because of course they can. But that stuff looks so bad. In fact, we haven't really talked about it. But the green screen work in general in this movie is just the fucking worst. It all looks terrible all the way throughout, uh, and there's all like, it has that kind of fuzzy line around everyone. There's the 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 uh, uh, compositing is just terrible. Uh, so if you like really bad special effects and uh, really unfunny material and uh, weird Beatles esque music and Eric Roberts phoning things in, then maybe. The movie Miss Castaway from 2004 is for you. See, I like all those things, and it's still not for me. <laughs> it's a real shame that <laughs> they have all of these elements that are really right up your alley, Mike, yet somehow it still it doesn't come gel. together. It didn't come together. You know, it was just a disappointment. Now is the part of the show where we have to discuss whether this movie confirms or denies the fact that Eric Roberts is or is not the fucking man. Todd, since you're in such a good mood today, let's start with you. Does Miss Castaway have Eric Roberts being the fucking man in it? Uh, You know, I said it last time, and I'll say it again. I I think that uh, Eric Roberts is 99.9% always the fucking man. At some point, I will, you know, stumble across that film where my world shatters and I curl up on the floor and cry. But, uh, no, this one still confirms, in my eyes, that Eric Roberts is still the fucking man. I gotta tell you, if this one didn't do it for you and a talking cat didn't do it for you, maybe that you can just push that ninety nine point nine into hundred. I'm sure that we, we haven't uh <laughs> we haven't hit the worst of it yet. We haven't scratched the surface. Mike, fucking man or no? Look, look, here's the thing, Doug, okay? Uh-huh. I turn to this podcast because look, I'm on the fence about Eric Roberts. 
Mm -hmm. I mean, neither here nor there in regards to Eric Roberts. So I need this podcast to convince me of his, his, how would you put like his fucking man status? I need manhood. And I watched this movie and I'll tell you, I am, I am, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm on, like I said, I'm on the fence. This did not convince me he's the fucking man. This is not, this is, if you're looking to start uh, uh, finding out about how, how much of, a, of the fucking man Eric Roberts is, this movie will not convince you of that. And so I'm just going to say thumbs down on the fucking man status. Ooh. That, honestly, that level of anger actually gives me a, a weird sense of pleasure. Yeah, if you're going to start exploring the career of Mr. Eric Roberts, I would probably recommend something like The Pope of Greenwich Village or maybe Larry Cohen's The Ambulance or Runaway Train from 1985. Where I wouldn't start is 2004's Miss Castaway, where uh, Eric is not really... Honestly, no one's good here. The closest that anyone is to being good is Charlie Slaughter in the in the lead, and uh, even he seems to... <laughs> even he seems to be confused at what the fuck he's supposed to be doing. At least he's giving some effort, though. And the very fact he is giving that effort, it actually makes Eric Roberts' performance look a little worse in it. Uh, he does have a great Lucky Charms gag, but that's pretty much it. I will not tarnish the reputation of this show and say that Eric Roberts is the fucking man in a performance where I just don't believe it. So I'm actually going to take Mike's side on this one. One out of two on this episode, wow. not the fucking you'll man. Give a, you'll give a fucking man to Doc Holliday's Revenge, but not this. Hey, the problems with Doc Holliday's Revenge were not <laughs> were not Eric Roberts related, let me tell you. Also, I want to throw in that Charlie Schlatter is not the fucking man for replacing Matt McCoy in the Police Academy series. That's an important note to make. And, and I think he actually, to, on the other side of that, he probably is the fucking man for replacing uh, Matthew Broderick <laughs> as Ferris Bueller. Yes. So yeah. that, that that all evens out in the end. And and uh, uh, let's say Jennifer Aniston replacing Mia Sarah from, uh, from Ferris Bueller's. Let's just call that a 50-50. Right down the middle, wow. it's an even trade. Uh, <laughs> we're going to take another break. We have to take another break. It's required by law. And when we return, we're going to look at something a little different, a little bit stranger. We're going to take a look at Wrong Cops from 2013, directed by Rubbers, Quentin Depew. Uh, we're going to be talking all about that when we return. <laughs> what are you listening to? Something cool. Oh, yeah. Eh, 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 eh. 
dance club. Only guys, though. No girls. Wrong Cops from 2013, directed by Quentin Depew. I think that's how it's pronounced. A French guy who's best known for directing the killer tire movie Rubber a few years back. Uh, and uh, Wrong Cops itself, it's, a, it's sort of a, a little hard to explain. It's, it's about a, a group of shitty cops, uh, very much in the mold of... Uh, not really like a super troopers or something like that. They're actually more of a uh, shitty than, than that, really. But uh, they the the overarching plot doesn't really exist. It's just them having a small series of incidents, and uh, eventually the movie ends at a funeral after the death of one of the characters. It does have some familiar faces in it, especially to fans of alternative comedy. As uh, Mike mentioned in the previous segment, he uh, brought up Tim and Eric. In fact, uh, this movie has Eric Wareheim in one of the lead roles. It also features Marilyn Manson playing what can only be described as a high school student, uh, 40-plus-year-old Marilyn Manson as a high school student, uh, as well as uh, Steve Little from uh, Eastbound and Down. Uh, I'm going to start with Todd because I am under the impression that you have some very strong <laughs> positive feelings about wrong cops. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't like wrong cops at all. You know, I, I thought that perhaps after we recorded the first time that maybe – I, I my anger was misplaced somehow. Maybe I'd had a bad day. Maybe mm-hmm. there was some sort of like underlying madness kind of driving my anger for it. But uh while I was working, I work from home, I, I decided to put it on again and, and see if perhaps I was uh I was wrong. But no, no. In fact I, I, I hate it even more the second time and I hate myself for mm. even watching it again. Mm-hmm. And it did not make for a pleasant work day because it's just a terrible movie. Staying with you for a minute, Todd, because you're convinced that you are right about wrong cops and you indeed watched it a second time despite absolutely despising it the first time. What uh, what about the humor in it uh, doesn't work for you? I, I think it's, you know, I, I, I like odd comedies. I, I like I like some really weird stuff, but there's just something really off. It's like, it's like... It's really bad sketch comedy, and nothing really irritates me more than really bad sketch comedy. It's mean-spirited in a way that, mm-hmm. if you're laughing at it, it probably says more about your character than you're willing to admit. And, oh. And it, it's, it's Judgment. Just, just, just to me, it, it's, just, it's just an awful comedy. Like, it's, it's the an- antithesis of what I think comedy is. So you are, if I if I can interpret what you just said, you're not just saying that the movie is bad. You are saying that to like it is a bad quality in the person who likes it. It's, yeah, I'll, it's I'll actually, go that far. Yeah, why not? Yeah, only bad person could enjoy this movie is what you're saying. No, not necessarily a bad Mike, person. what did you think of Ron Cops? Well, I loved what did it. You th- I loved it. <laughs> we will never be so. friends. <laughs> I, I really, never. I, I, I would describe it as uh, like a French New Wave, a Reno 911. That's what I was looking for. Why the fuck did I say Super Troopers? Yeah, yeah. It's it's a fucked up French Reno 911, except not French. Just directed by a French guy. And if I could echo um, uh, Todd's hate for a second, um, hate towards the, the people that enjoy it, he's not far off. I, uh, I, I, could, I could sort of identify with a lot of the, the characters in the movie. I've known people like that. Uh, yeah, you know, I, you know what? I, not to, you know, sort of... Uh, I'm a bit of a scumbag, so I mean, I, I could mm-hmm. respond bit, better to the movie being a scumbag, so I think that part of that helps, sure. I mean, he's not, 
I mean, I don't want to speak for everyone that enjoys this movie, but, you know, as a scumbag, I can say I enjoyed it. Okay. Four scumbags is what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and I'm going to, as is my usual way, I'm going to settle somewhere in the middle where uh, it took me a very long time of watching Wrong Cops before I started to feel at all kinship with its sense of humor. A lot of it just seemed very random. And honestly, what Todd said about it being mean-spirited is absolutely true. All of these characters are complete pieces of shit. They abuse their authority. It's kind of hard to watch these days, uh, even in a comedic fashion, cops just being assholes because it reflects real life a little too closely. But I do have to say there were moments in it where because it was so, it felt so different from the style of humor that is common in American comedies that I almost took to it uh, in a closer fashion than I would have expected. One of those things that I did find pretty amusing um, was Marilyn Manson uh, as this as this strange introverted uh, kind of talking into his sleeve high school student who gets accosted by uh, the lead officer Officer Duke uh, and he 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 starts he they meet each other as Officer Duke is just kind of pissing through a fence <laughs> and uh, that starts a conversation that results in Officer Duke taking his pants off and playing <laughs> techno music. For Marilyn Manson Todd, what did you think of Marilyn Manson in this movie? Uh, bullshit stunt casting I'll, mm. I'll just leave it to that uh, I, right. you know, I think Marilyn Manson's alright He's not a good actor And this this just this just uh, it, it didn't strike a chord with me Usually when someone says I'll leave it at that They don't start to talk after that uh, Well, yeah <laughs> My, my Mike, anger runneth over Mike, are you a fan of Marilyn Manson? Yeah, I'm not. A, I was never really a fan of his music, but I, I didn't know he was this good at comedy. I mean, he did Tim and Eric. <laughs> I think he did Eastbound and Down. He played like a waiter that uh, Kenny abused, and I think he's actually pretty good. I mean, he's not great, but he's pretty good in this. I mean, he gets it. He understands the material, and he's. I mean, he's got decent timing. I, I liked him in this. I did. I think that. <sighs> I don't think it's fair necessarily to judge his acting skill just from his small appearances in this and Eastbound and Down and whatnot. I will say that if I did not know that this was Marilyn Manson in the movie, that I don't think he would stick out to me as being bad. So in that sense, he's at least good enough to be in the movie. Honestly, a lot of the performances are a little off in Wrong Cops. It sort of feels like... Uh, the dialogue has sort of been translated from English into French and back into English again. So people don't talk like human beings as we recognize them talk. And I think it actually creates so, sort of an otherworldly, surreal atmosphere that helps the comedy kind of hit. Uh, and again, that, that's with the recognition that it took me a little while to sort of get into things. I will say that my favorite part of the movie comes at the very end. Uh, there's this really kind of strange funeral sequence, which actually features Ray Wise, who's only in the movie for about uh, three or four minutes, and again, another connection to Tim and Eric. Um, and this whole sequence leads to a argument about whether this character who the funeral is for, whether he's ending up in hell, or uh, <laughs> there's a little bit of an argument about the fact that they motion to heaven when they really mean hell, and there ends up being a conversation about whether they are actually all living a real life hell on earth and and uh and that's what hell actually is uh from a very stoned police officer that kind of stuff because it felt it it 
in some ways it felt like it was kind of blowing up its own pretentiousness, which I actually kind of liked, uh, because the rest of the movie, you just never know how serious the characters uh, and the director are taking things. Right. Sometimes I feel like this movie is really just a delivery device for Quentin Depew's techno music, uh, his, his electronic music, which he's what he was known for before he started making movies. So I will say that the, the humor kind of went back and forth for me, but at least in the final 10 minutes, it really hit home. Uh, but we, I'm going to actually just jump ahead. We usually save this to the end, but I just want to talk about it for a second, uh, especially because I've forgotten about 99% of this fucking movie. Eric Roberts <laughs> is in Wrong Cops for like three minutes. He plays a movie director, and uh, he's a very specific kind of movie director. Todd, do you remember what kind? Oh, did we lose you? Jesus Christ. <laughs> Mike, do you remember? Yeah, numerical. Uh, was movies. it uh, numerical? Oh. Is that what he says? All right, I'm going to ask that question again, and uh, I think we lost you just for a second, Todd. Um, what kind of director was he again? He, he directed numerical movies. Now, you, I, unfortunately, I'm not smart enough to understand what a numerical movie is supposed to represent. Mike, what is a numerical movie? Okay, I think I got it, basically. Okay. Numerical right. movie is just, he said there's no actors in it. So this is what I figured out. It's it's like computer animated footage of numbers fighting each other. And as it's happening, there's like a, a Stephen Hawking type voice going one zero one zero one zero one. <laughs> That's what I figured out what the, what a numerical movie is. Okay. That, that actually is a better answer than I ever possibly could have come up with. Uh, this sequence with Eric Roberts, he, he plays this movie director, um, our lead kind of cop character. He delivers... Weed in his, I was going to say spare time, but actually while he's working, to people all around the city. And the weed is actually disguised within rats. So they've been cut open and, the, <laughs> and then duct taped because it's less conspicuous right. than just carrying around pot. So in this scene, the cop delivers some pot to Eric Roberts and then he describes this movie. And that's pretty much Eric Roberts' entire part in the film. Right. Yeah, so uh, if you're going into Wrong Cops hoping for a, um, a a lot of Eric Roberts, I'm afraid you're going to be rather disappointed. Now, one thing that kind of bothered me about Wrong Cops is that there's a, sort of a weird strain of homophobia that goes through it. Uh, there are characters who are constantly... Uh, Referencing that they're, in fact, there's two characters that are supposed to be homosexual. At the end, they're listening to one of the other police officers' music, and they're saying that this is a music for men and only for men, and it's supposed to be this comical thing that they're gay. And I think that that is supposed to be the entire joke. And in fact, the 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 character that ends up passing away, his big plot is that he at one point did gay porn and is terrified of people finding out about it. So one of the other cops ends up blackmailing him. Right. Uh, a lot of weird plot threads in this. Yeah. movie actually uh mike did you find uh, some of that material a little bit difficult well you know I, i've actually it's funny because we talked about this last week and i I, right? I gave it some i think i'll get to the, the the two gentlemen at the end uh which i think one of which was like john lajoy uh in a moment but i i think with the other threads in the movie considering that we're dealing with people that are are garbage we mm -hmm. really shouldn't take what they say and do very seriously because you know they're you know, they're garbage people. You know, whatever they think and do is stupid and worthless. Right. Um, but with, like, I don't know how you took that, but I took it not as, like, a like not as if they were making fun of, like, John LaJoy. And I guess that was 
I guess it was his partner in both ways. I'm not really sure. <laughs> it wasn't really clear if they were a couple or just partners who happened to be gay men. Right. Um, but I took that at when they were saying that as, cause I mean, that's his one, this was like this guy, like everyone should know if you haven't seen, uh, wrong cops, this guy who has, who's like this, he wants to break into like electronica. <laughs> he keeps like, you know, uh, uh, telling people to listen to his music and I think this is the one time in the movie he got some sort of validation because they meant this in the nicest way possible. That's true. Saying, it's a very sincere response. They were saying, look, you know, he plays in the clubs that we go to. And that's what I, t I don't really, I didn't take that as a joke at their expense or joke at his expense. Maybe his response to that is the joke because he's just like, ooh. But when they say that, they, they said that in the nicest way possible. And I think maybe how we're supposed to take that is that he he's repulsed and we're laughing at him for just being kind of like a you know just a, like like another one of the garbage people in the other the rest of the movie. I think that's a pretty fair interpretation. And like you said, I mean these characters are so despicable. It's hard to tell where the sense of humor of the writer director Quentin Depew ends and where it it's supposed to be we're laughing at them for having such backwards ridiculous views. Uh it, I'm glad that you mentioned that that police officer that who who's trying to break into the electronic music scene because that actually leads into my favorite scene in the whole movie yeah. which has Kurt Fuller from uh, well from lots oh, of different yeah. movies but but I always think of him from No Holds Barred. Yeah. Uh he plays a m music producer and I mean, this is going to sound crazy because you got to kind of see the movie to understand why this is how it is. But this officer goes in with his uh, demo, and um, it's been punched up by <laughs> by this gentleman who ended up being accidentally shot by one of the other police officers. So he's basically bleeding out on this music producer's couch, and they're both trying to get this record deal. And again, you know, we want to talk about it being a very surreal, very bizarre style of humor. But this whole sequence, I thought it was really hilarious how Kurt Fuller is just, he's obsessed with the fact that they have their image all together where, where apparently their gimmick is that one of them is a police officer wearing, wearing an eye patch and the other one is a dying guy. And he's talking about how that's like, that's like 90% of the way there. It's just that they unfortunately don't have any talent. I found that that's kind of a problem with myself in the sense that... I couldn't tell the difference between good electronic music and bad. So when they when he plays his right. electronic music, I can't tell that that's supposed to be bad or if it's supposed to be bad. I think that yeah, because I I thought the joke with that was because it sounds like everything else in the movie that it's indistinguishable from like good or bad. That you know that in and of itself is the joke because you can't tell and people's like just like angered reactions to the music. I, yeah, I. I I guess that that was the joke to that because I I don't know I don't really listen to enough to really know what would work and what wouldn't work. It's like bad dubstep. I don't know what that would sound like. <laughs> I guess I guess when you're unfamiliar enough with the style of music that the good and the bad start to meld together and it's really difficult to kind of differentiate. Yeah, no, I'm exactly the same way. Um, I, I want to mention briefly that Todd has unfortunately left us, not permanently from the planet, but unfortunately he's having some internet issues, so we're going to finish out without him today. Um, it's, it's a shame we don't have the counterpoint, because as you could probably already tell, Todd did not care for rom-coms at all, and hell, he gave it a second go. It's all you can really ask for in regards to someone giving a shot at a movie. Uh, were you a fan of Quentin Depew's earlier movies Mike? i the thing i i did not like rubber rubber didn't work for me i liked wrong you know I, I think i like him better when he's working with uh 
I guess people from the L.A. comedy scene. You know, I, I, mm-hmm. I don't. I guess he's a Tim and Eric fan because it seems like, he must be. It seems like he, he once he saw that show, like his style changed a bit because the the change from like rubber to wrong, it's it's a drastic change. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. It absolutely is, and it's that's particularly interesting because rubber got a lot of attention, a lot of positive attention when it came out. So so the fact that he kind of changed his style so significantly is, I guess, a little bit of a testament to him that he just wasn't going to stick with that, though they both have yeah, a kind of a similar um, sense of disinterest with logic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I said in our original recording, and this is really kind of unfair, that if if Tim and Eric was considered... Banksy, then wrong cops would be the Mr. Brainwash <laughs> of uh, of this style of humor. But that's a little unfair, actually, to wrong cops. It doesn't really feel like an imitation of Tim and Eric, but it does feel like sort of an extension yeah. of that. You know, they describe it as anti humor. It's not really anti humor. It's more that it's uh, humor that's meant to come at you from a very different direction. It's meant to surprise you, and it's meant to sometimes push your buttons. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it, you're right. It's it's sort of uh, it's an extension of that. It's it's in the style. It's like the genre of that style of humor. Like Dave, yeah. it, David Lynch made like that sort of. I guess it's like David Lynch <laughs> comedy, basically. <laughs> Sounds maybe. I wouldn't mind seeing that, actually. Tim and Eric in a David Lynch-directed comedy. Oh, yeah. God, yeah. I'd love to see that. Like, that sounds yeah, fantastic, that, actually. That does sound fantastic, yeah. actually. It's a l- bit of a tough question to ask, and uh, I, I do have to go back to the fact, Mike, that you did choose the two movies covered on this episode. I do have to ask that even though I know that neither of these movies would probably be the best examples to convince you that Eric Roberts is the fucking man, what did you think of him in Wrong Cops? You know, here's the thing. It was the same deal as in uh, Miss Castaway. And I just want to add and the Island Girls because that's the title. No one wants to add and the Island Girls. I guess because it's too long to just say Miss Castaway and the Island Girls. Every time I see like an ad for it, it does not include in the Island Girls. And it actually irritates me a little bit. Um, you know, I called it just Miss Castaway like 30 times. I know. Times I, and it's, well, here's, you're trying to do a podcast. You can't. I mean, that's it's a long title. Um, but uh, – he did the same thing he did in that movie where he he just phoned it in. But here's the main difference between this and that movie. He has a beautiful fringe coat in this one. It's like it's like mm. something like Steven Seagal would have worn in uh, on Deadly Ground. And my God, it was like the the most. I wish I had that coat. It was the most beautiful coat I've seen in a while. And it's a very great. It coat. is. And on for that reason alone, I'm going to say Eric Roberts is the fucking man. I mean, I feel like the coat maybe did a lot of the heavy lifting for oh, that. But you you got to take it where you can get yeah. it. I'm going to speak on Todd's behalf and say that for him, despite the fact that Ron Cops sort of broke his brain and his internet, I think that he would still say, uh, even maybe even removed from the coat, that Eric Roberts is still the fucking man in this movie. Uh, I'm actually... Because I'm feeling generous, because I'm actually feeling more positive about Ron Cops now than I think we did. I was on the original recording. Wow. I'm going to say uh, that, that, yeah, I think that we're going to go three for three here and say that we all think that Eric Roberts is the fucking man. I do think maybe the coat pushed it over the edge for me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It wasn't the entire contribution, but it, it did push it over the edge. So we'll, it's, it's a great yeah. coat. A coat gets five stars. I probably wouldn't go that far for the movie as a whole, but definitely the coat. Wrong Cops from 2011 
Your mileage may vary if you enjoy this style of humor. It actually is designed to not be for everyone. So uh, if you go into it and you hate it like Todd, that's perfectly okay. But but I do have to chastise Todd a little for uh, saying that we, Mike, you, and myself – are bad people well, for enjoying. I mean, I can't, I can't speak for you, but I know for a fact I am a bad person for liking it. Mm. So he's, he's not wrong in my, in my, nope. in my count anyway. So, well, actually, now just really briefly, flashing through my life up to this point, I do, I, I have to say, I do have to confirm, I'm sort of not a good yeah. person. Yeah. So maybe, maybe Todd was actually knocking it right on the head of the nail, uh, and he just, he just really summed us up. He, Without us even knowing, He's, you know what Todd says? Things we're all thinking, but afraid to say. So yeah, and then then he vanishes suddenly in the middle of talking about a movie. Todd, yeah, I know you're out there somewhere. We're thinking about you, buddy. And honestly, I'm reevaluating my entire life up to this point. So thank you so much. That's Wrong Cops from 2011. I think we're going to take our final break, and when we come back, I'm going to plug, you're going to plug, and I'm going to plug for Todd. We'll be back in just a second. Won't you tell everybody what the fuck you gotta say? Fuck the police coming straight from the underground. A young nigga got it bad cause I'm brown. And not the other color so police think they have the authority to kill a minority. Fuck that shit cause I ain't the one for a punk motherfucker with a badge and a gun to be beaten on. And thrown in jail we can go toe to toe in the middle of a cell. Fucking with me cause I'm a teenager with a little bit of gold and a pager searching my car. Every nigga is selling narcotics. You'd rather see me in the pen than me and Lorenzo That's two more classics from the Eric Roberts filmography covered on this week's episode of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man. This that was, of course, Miss Castaway and the Island Girls. <clears throat> and Wrong Cops from 2011. Uh, we had a bit of a mixed reaction to the movies this time. I think that uh, there was more of a... Um, sense of uh, consistency in our opinion on Miss Castaway. I think Todd will never quite recover from seeing wrong cops twice. Mike, I cannot thank you enough for coming on to the episode uh, twice it's, now. I, uh, I, I, it was a. Pl- I hope to do this again. If you ever want to do uh, that Sarah Rue sitcom, uh, Lesson Perfect, I'll I'll do that with you. You know, if you want to do that, that if you want to do. I don't know if Eric Roberts is going to be in Wizard of Paws, which I think is the next Brian Michael Slore movie. I'd love to do that with you. You know, anytime you want to use me, I'm I'm available and ready, willing, and able to do it for you. Well, I'm I'm not just to blow smoke, but I cannot thank you enough for coming on. And really, if you haven't checked out Mike's work, uh, investigate it, investigate him. I mean, not in a legal sense, but just go out and find whatever he has available. Of course, subscribe to shock cinema, Mike, where else can people find your writing? Well, I, I think I'm in, I, I'm not sure that the latest volume of the cinema sewer book, uh, three of my articles are in there. One of them is, uh, it's a exclusive of the book. It's a review of the, the great Hollywood rape slaughter. Um, Mm-hmm. I'm every week. I'm writing reviews for theweekender.com. Uh, uh, some of the sometimes it's good, sometimes it's garbage, but it's up every week. And if you live in the Pennsylvania area, I might be working at UPS soon, and I'll be loading packages into a truck. And some of those packages will be touched by my hand. So look look forward to that. Touched by the hand of Mike Sullivan, everyone should feel blessed. 
for having experienced even some of your skin cells, I think, on some of those packages. Just my opinion. Just what I'm going to say there right now. Uh, and remember, of course, that John Polito did call you a nerd. Is that correct? He did call me a nerd, yeah. And, uh, he did call you a nerd. Yeah, he, 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 yeah, he was he, – yeah, I mean, I knew about Sid Haig's career and knew who Sid Haig was. I had it coming. And that's why that stayed in the interview because I was a nerd and he got me dead to rights. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of my favorite moments from any interview ever. <laughs> so much so that when I first uh, connected with you on Facebook, it was one of the things. I remember there was a few days I was like, oh, I love Mike Sullivan's work. I got to tell him how much I loved when John Polito called him a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, uh, I'm not uh, I, I, I'm not just saying this. Believe me that I'm super excited to be talking to Mike and, uh, and really check out as much of his work as you can. Of course, you can check out Todd's work. Work. That's uh, Todd Rigney's work on. Let's see if I can remember. He's at at the Film Fiend on Twitter. Check that out. And he also writes for what's that site that he writes for? <laughs> is it is it bloody disgusting? I can't I remember. It, that sounds right. I kind of remember that. that. Sounds yeah. Right. He's a writer. You can check out his work over probably at Bloody Disgusting. If I'm wrong, I apologize, Todd. But you can certainly uh, connect up with him over uh, on Twitter at The Film Fiend. If you want to check out more about Eric Roberts is the fucking man, and I know you do, you can check us out on Twitter at E-R-I-T-F-M. Uh, recently uh, retweeted by the man himself, Eric Roberts, and he also wished me a happy birthday. How nice is that? Thanks to one of our listeners. You can, of course, check out old episodes at ericrobertsistheman.com and also subscribe via iTunes or Stitcher or RSS if that is your bag. And check us out on Facebook. Just do a little search for Eric Roberts is the Man. Uh, usually get a little bit of background information, including the announcement, a recent announcement, of a very interesting upcoming guest as well. Of course, you can find me, Doug Tilly, at uh, Doug underscore Tilly. That's T-I-L-L-E-Y on Twitter as well. Check out my writing over at dailygrindhouse.com. And, of course, check out my other podcast, No Budget Nightmares, at nobudgetpodcast.com. On our next episode, we will have special guest Matthew Monagle, who is actually a, uh, a writer over on Daily Grindhouse and recently, I think, started writing for uh, One Perfect Shot and also has written for Paracinema in the past. And we're going to be talking about The Prophecy 2... Not the first one, just The Prophecy 2, because it has Eric Roberts in it. And the movie Fast Sofa, which I believe has uh, Jake Busey in it. And Crispin Glover. And I think Matthew actually has some behind-the-scenes dirt on the making of Fast Sofa. So we'll definitely be checking that out. I'm excited. I'm really excited. I don't know anything about it, and it has a terrible title, but it's got to be something interesting, right? I think it's based on a terrible novel, to tell you the truth. Terrible novel, Fast Sofa, turned into a... Maybe not terrible movie awesome. starring starring Eric Roberts, maybe Jake Busey, I'm pretty sure, and Crispin Glover. We'll be checking that out on the next episode. Mike, again, thank you so much. Todd, wherever you are we in the world, we, we love you, and we're thinking about you. And uh, we will be talking to you, the listener, very soon. Good night. Eric Roberts is a fucking man. Eric Roberts is a fucking man.